Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. All right, welcome in. He's Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. And you are listening to Libservative, the conclusion of season one, understanding America's social and digital civil war. And Corey and I, are, we're, we're, that's just that's what we're doing today. We're concluding the season. Uh, we're going to talk about things like what we've learned, things we've changed our minds on. We're going to get some feedback from you and uh, just kind of put the season to bed. And, and hopefully, Corey and I have, have learned a couple of things, and hopefully you have as well. That's the whole point of this show. We're trying to, to build a community of thinkers, trying to make thinking Sexy, again, get out of your echo chambers. Nobody cares about your politics, your beliefs. And I think most people are starting to understand that a little bit more. Just because you have your beliefs doesn't mean I can't have mine. And we can still get along. And we can still demand better leadership. Both, I guess you could even say, Corey, at the local level, the state level, and definitely the federal level. So that's where we sit right here, right now, today, on August 4th, 2021. Yeah, the dust the dust seems to be settling a little bit. It's like what you're kind of getting at here is uh, the, the super wokeism of uh, everyone trying to outshine each other seems to be like... I don't know. I guess maybe I'm at a. We'll, we'll get into it in a little bit with the uh, some of the responses that we had that kind of gave me a little bit of faith in humanity. But it seems to me that uh, more people are actually catching on to this whole hyperpartisan esque getting all in your emotion type feelings that we see on social media on a day to day basis. And it's not just wokeism either, Corey. It's it's uh, you know it's it's the, it's these racism. No, <laughs> no. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some people might say that, but more what I was getting at is is these people that are still just completely tied to Donald Trump, right? So when I look at when I look at Donald Trump, and we've talked about this before, Corey, I don't think we've talked about it much on the show, but we've definitely talked about it in private. We can sit here and we can now look at Donald Trump's presidency with hindsight, right? And hindsight is always yeah. 2020. So when I think of Donald Trump's presidency, in 2016, I was just like a lot of the woke mob out there. I was just like a lot of the fearful Democrats. Oh, my God, this guy is going to push the nuclear button and he's going to kill us all. I was it's the end of the world. I was afraid of that, too. But you look back in hindsight of of every president, I would probably say since Kennedy Right. There was always a faction of this country that believed that incoming president, because it's not who they voted for, it's not who they wanted, was somehow going to be the end of the world. The And that hasn't happened. And the end of the world. Yep. Like actually it's funny you mentioned Kennedy because that's actually a really good example because he was the first Catholic president. And when he was elected, people lost their shit thinking that now the country is gonna be run by the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's the Vatican of the United States now. Kind of like, uh, kind of like how uh, with Biden in office, it, we, we were going to be run by uh, by Russia. With Trump in office, it was China and Putin were pulling the strings. Isn't that interesting? How both guys, the accusation is the same. 
pretty much. It's the boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Trump was Russia. Biden's China. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Well, I mean, and that, and that's what I'm getting at is is looking back in in hindsight. I can look at Trump voters from 20 sitting here in 2021. I can look at Trump voters from 2016 and go, okay, they weren't all racist, right? They weren't all horrible, terrible human beings. In fact, what they were going for was just something different. They were led to believe that this guy's not a politician. You know, he's going to go against the grain and looking back on it in hindsight, like, I can ha- I can have I can have some respect for that. Now it didn't turn out the way that uh you maybe some of those people would have thought. And where I hold issue with people that are still in that hardcore Trump camp is that they just cannot admit that his presidency was a fucking disaster. It's all right that you voted for him to try something new. I can live with that. But to not admit that his presidency was a fucking disaster is crazy. Now, that does does that mean that Joe Biden's presidency is going to be some sort of unmitigated success? Can Abs- I say no? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. And and I think we'll get into this a little bit more. I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot throughout the show. Is that this whole lesser of two evils thing, people? This has got to stop. This is why we keep ending up with two shit choices because we're we're, we're comfortable picking this quote-unquote lesser of two evils and making the other side the enemy it's just this is we're going to keep ending up with candidates like this until we the people decide to stop it to hold our own teams to a higher standard and not just vilifying the other side with some moral superiority yeah you know it's uh like my side good your side bad Orange man you bad. Know, even though orange man yeah, bad. Orange man bad. Yeah, and like I, I think I've said it before on the show. So where it's like we vilify the like both sides have done so well of vilifying the other side that we keep voting for our side, thinking it's like the side that's good, and then the other side is doing the exact same thing. So like <laughs> both sides keep voting in the same damn people, thinking the other side is bad. Like, well, we need to get rid of Lindsey Graham, voting, you know, continuing to vote for their blue guys, their blue guys. And then the people voting for Lindsey Graham keep going, oh, we need to get rid of those blue guys. So it's like both of them aren't going to pull votes from either side. They both have their little base of their votes to keep getting them reelected. So both sides just keep <laughs> fucking getting reelected. And everyone keeps scratching their heads going, I don't understand how this happens. How the hell is Mitch McConnell still in office? I just don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, vote for me. I'll get take care of those blue guys for you. Because you know there are a lot of people in Kentucky going up, going to that voting booth, going, oh, I don't want to do it, but I gotta. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's just got a lock on Kentucky. It's the same way I felt about you know going to the polls in 2016, voting for Hillary Clinton. I didn't want to do it. It didn't make me. Oh, f- I gotta. Didn't make me feel good, but I fell. F- I fell into the trap too, people. I'm not any better than you. I fell into the lesser of two evils trap, just like so many of us did. And it doesn't matter who you think that lesser of two evils is. I don't. It, I don't give a shit. You shouldn't give a shit. It's just let's. We have to stop this. They're still evil. <laughs> just less of it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what brings us to to uh, the social and digital civil war, right? Because that's a lot of what causes it. It's just you know that you know like you made the joke last week, Corey. Of I'd rather be dead than red. And if you're <laughs> if you're if you're uh, led to believe that Joe Biden is some sort of uh, communist, you're not going to vote for him. 
We, if if you if you think for two seconds, you know that that's not true. If you think for twenty five seconds, you might realize that Joe Biden is actually a better Republican than Donald Trump. But that's another discussion for another day. And so yeah, I was actually going to try to put that to better quick and say that I'm glad you said that. That, that I said what? <laughs> He's a moderate Republican at best. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like anybody who can't see that is. You're not trying to see that, and that's the problem. You have to try to see more. We're gonna we're we're trying to make thinking sexy again, uh, but every time you say that, I just picture somebody just in like scantily clad clothing, just like doing that like fist under the chin thing, like looking off to the distance, like they're contemplating. Yeah, like Mar- like thinking. like Margot Robbie in the nude, just thinking. Yeah. If you if you post it online, especially in certain subreddits. That uh, this is what thinking looks like. Maybe a lot more guys would start thinking. We'd have to. We have to come up with something. <laughs> we have to come up with something for the ladies and the and the uh, the homosexual crowd. But hey, I'll do it for them. <laughs> I'll have me in the lingerie, just looking off into the distance. Well, chicks do dig beards. They do like beards. It hides my face. So Corey, you asked the people. Yeah. So. You know, we we're rounding up this season uh, about whether or not does the social media civil war even exist, and so we mentioned Reddit a second ago. I took it to Reddit. I went to the subreddit, ask Reddit. Yeah. I asked Reddit himself, and you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, but we got some pretty good answers. And so on social on Reddit, I posted: Does the social media civil war really exist, or is it just overblown? If it does exist, how do we as a people get past emotions and have real conversations? And that's basically what we've been trying to discover this whole season. And so we got some pretty good answers. And uh, so the first one that that I got right away was, uh, you don't. You go outside. And this is from Blah. Some of the Reddit names are great. So if I mispronounce <laughs> it, I apologize. He said, you don't. You go outside and talk to real human beings with real feelings, not double X underscore pussy slayer 69 underscore double X on Reddit or at random cunt on Instagram. And then I want to I got to find that Instagram because I would love random cunt. I would love to just see pictures of a bunch of random cunts all over all over Instagram. Right. And then so he goes, the easy way to get to the bottom is this. People are bored with their lives. We're so detached from nature, most of us go through our lives relatively conflict-free. And it's in human nature to fight, argue, dominate, and right now, social media is the perfect outlet to experience that, experience li- and experience life, because you don't need to. You can just lie in bed and read thousands of stories in under 10 minutes. It's also why people are generally curious about death, or why we will read an article about something terrible and tragic. I'm no boomer. But it is a new generation thing because it's so much easier to just hop online and hide behind a persona and get that conflict, that information, and that stimulation. Whatever you want, you can find it on social media. People who agree with you, people who don't, and you can argue about absolutely anything. People enjoy that conflict. This is all just my opinion as a 20-year-old who spent the majority of his life on some kind of social media, whether it be Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, whatever the fuck. So that's a Gen Zer. So... If more Gen Zers have that type of like perspective on it, we might be doing okay. So that's kind of curious, actually, when yeah. I think about it. Like they've all grown up in the shit show. And then uh, another person just went, "What?" 
<laughs> I, I do like I do like that he had to preface the fact that he wasn't a boomer there somewhere in the middle. That's a dirty word, <laughs> man. Yeah, he did. He did sound a little bit like a boomer there, but no, the fact that this kid is twenty years old to me that is that is remarkably hopeful because Corey, you and I in our early thirties, we are the last generation that didn't grow up our entire childhood with the internet. We had the internet for most of our childhood, but not all of it, and certainly not social media, right? We started on MySpace. So we're like the last bastion of human beings that remembers a world where you didn't just get online and scream at people and and, and bully people and uh, essentially make an ass out of yourself anonymously behind a window. Yep. So this coming from a 20-year-old, I'm guessing. I'm not going to guess genders on this on this show. A, tw- a 20 year old person. Uh, no, that's that is remarkably helpful because what do you always hear in news stories, right? About Gen Z, or especially if you watch Fox News, right? Oh, yeah, this, whiny, woke, self entitled. Uh, and yeah, this this generation doesn't even get out and talk to people. They just they're they're introverts and you know they're incels and they. Uh, they they just they just sit around and feel sorry for themselves and they need SSRIs and antidepressants and uh, we just keep feeding them to them and all sorts of other fear slogans that uh, Fox News might throw out there. But uh, this young person, is, this young man, listen to us sound like boomers. <laughs> this young person, I just what a what a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta believe there's more like that person out there. I think so. Hopefully we'll find out as we move along. People worth their salt. Yeah. And so then another person uh, just said, what? <laughs> then, so I said, so I elaborated for him and I said, the way you see interactions on social media regarding social issues and politics, the feud would make one think that we are all ready to kill each other. But out in the real world, most people are, are all respectful and nice. How do we overcome that? So he said, I ignore it. People behind a phone or keyboard are a lot more confident than when they have to look another human in the eye. Think about walking and almost bumping into someone or driving and almost bumping into another car. Most people will be apologetic on foot and irate in the vehicle. That small bit of disintermediation and lack of physical cues from other body language cause others' body language causes an interesting response because empathy is much harder. Social media is that amplified. He goes, the silver lining, I believe, is that most of us in the real world default to back to better behavior, and COVID is showing how much we crave more real interaction with others, even if that just means video calls versus phone calls and text. And I really, really like his, uh, I don't think he's a listener, but his metaphor of the cars with that shield like we've been talking about throughout the season, you know, I was like, damn, nailed that one right on the head, bud. I'm definitely going to read that one. And uh, he's right, though. You know, it's 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 uh, this lack of uh, being able to see, like, facial recognitions and uh, uh, things on our faces and things like that really put a, a damper on a sort of interaction when it comes to talking about real things. And the human interaction thing was, was what I pulled out of uh, that person's comment. <clears throat> what did you say his, uh, his Reddit name was or her? Uh, okay, so his or her Reddit name is broker destroyer so he's probably on wall street bets and that's <laughs> and that's definitely a dude <laughs> yeah so he's probably yeah so he's probably a uh 
one of the the space monkeys on Wall Street bets. Nice. If he's talking about breaking uh, brokers. What do now? When moon? Yeah, when moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I what I pulled out of that was the human interaction thing. I'll give you a great example. So this weekend, um, I volunteer at a summer camp every year, and uh, obviously we haven't had a chance to have camp these last two summers due to COVID. So we decided to do uh, just a little get together at the camp of some of the volunteers. Uh, we lost a camper this year, so we decided to do a little memorial for uh, for him. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I mean, you know, you're doing a summer camp for uh, terminally ill kids. You're gonna lose a few. So, but yeah, no, it was it was a bummer to lose. Uh, we miss you, Frednick. His name's Nick Frederick, so we call him Frednick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I, I'm I'm together with these people, and and I'm I'm in a it's a group of three. It's me and two other gentlemen. And one of them is is has always been kind of a centrist, you know, kind of a pragmatic centrist. Uh, another one was is definitely more of a liberal. And we were sitting there and we were discussing, you know, wokeism and kind of what it's doing, uh, for better and for worse. And what surprised me was that the gentleman that was traditionally very liberal. Completely owned the idea that there's a lot of feigned, fake wokeism out there. And the example that I gave was, you know, you have President Biden come in, and he's, you know, he he did he did he said the whole, uh, you know, if if uh, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black, right? Remember when he said that? Yeah, you know, Charlemagne the God, yeah, a yeah, black yeah, guy. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> his face. Oh my God, I saw that video. Charlemagne's face was like what? Was just like what? <laughs> I wonder if he still voted for him. You think Charlemagne still voted for him? I would guess so because he is because he wasn't Trump. Yeah, he wasn't Trump. But uh, so yeah, he, he did the whole you know if you don't vote for me then you ain't black. You know he's you know Obama's predecessor and Obama's vice president. So you know he's got all the black votes right. And he's going to do. Remember how many times? Sorry to keep cutting you off. Yeah, remember good. how many times Biden said Obama in his campaign? Like how hard he rode those coattails. <laughs> Yeah, because he wanted the black Obama didn't even endorse him to like the very end. Mom was like, "God damn it, this guy's all fucking in my shit." Because <laughs> he wanted the black vote, and so uh, well, if he would have just told him that they're not black if they if they yeah, don't yeah. vote if they don't vote for him, he wouldn't have needed Obama. He should have said that in the beginning. Yeah, I I I, I want to stay black, so I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, I'm doesn't make me black. black. People are looking at their arms like, "Oh man, <laughs> I need I've got to make sure I vote for Biden." If that were the case, I'm sure there's uh, uh, plenty on, in the black community out there that would be like, you mean I don't have to suffer racism anymore? I guess I'm voting Trump. <laughs> if it's going to turn me white. Uh, like, like uh, what was his name? Uh, Dave Chappelle doing the white face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was. Oh, now I remember where I was going. So, yeah. yeah so, sorry about that. So, no. So, so we were talking about the feigned wokeism thing and... and uh, you know, Joe Biden runs on the, you know, the black platform. You know, we're going to do a lot for the black community. It takes Kamala Harris as his vice, as, as a, a gesture. As, it was nothing more than a gesture to the black community. And he, he, he's been in office now for over over half a year now. Or, yeah, a little over half a year now. And what has he done? What 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 policy changes has he made? To help the black community. I'll give you the one that's talked about the most. Juneteenth. Juneteenth. He brings Yay. in Juneteenth. He gives them a Juneteenth holiday. Now, look, 
The thing that's interesting about Juneteenth is it's something that everybody's either both sides are like either either pissed about or don't care about, right? Because so like people on the left are going, you know, hey, congratulations, or I should say, thoughtful people on the left are going, hey, congratulations, you now don't have to work on this day. We didn't really do anything, but here's a holiday. Here's a national holiday. Here's a federal holiday. And people are, and people on the right think it's some sort of attack on the Fourth of July. I'm not yeah, really sure how the hell that, that happened. Like... Last I checked, last I checked, the Fourth of July was still around. But the whole conversation from Biden to Juneteenth and not really doing anything for the black community so far. I mean, I don't really believe he's going to do a whole lot to begin with. Uh, but we all agreed. All three of us agreed. Even this like super liberal guy that I've known for a long time, my centrist buddy, and myself, we all agreed that feigned wokeism and, and wokeism for optics is a real thing right. and kind of a, kind of an issue. Yeah, like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm 100% for Juneteenth being a holiday. You know, it was literally when slavery ended, and it was yeah. like a whole fucking two years after the 13th Amendment, they had to send soldiers into Texas to be like, hey, yo, you guys are free, by the way, and they're like, what? Yeah, no issue with it, but stop, but don't pretend that it's something bigger than that. Right, it's yeah. Because it's not. It's, yeah, it's it's a symbolic gesture that doesn't, it's all sizzle and no steak. 100%. You know, it's like, oh, great, we have Juneteenth, how about qualified immunity and civil asset forfeiture and mass incarceration? That's putting thousands of young black men in jail over trivial crimes while we have people with doing the same trivial crimes on national TV and selling weed. I'm just using weed as an example. We have millions of black men in jail over trivial things like weed. Well, meanwhile, we have people on cooking shows of how to infuse weed into things. You know what I mean? It's like, give me a fucking break. How Most, about... Mostly white people, you, by the way, on those cooking shows. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's... it's uh. It blows my mind. Like, how about just, exp- like, you can do pardons. You're the fucking president. How about, <laughs> I'm just going to pardon every weed crime that's from someone in a federal jail or a federal prison. Yeah. Like, that would, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like that would take the same amount of ink Yeah, that, <laughs> on that a piece would, of paper. Yeah, that would be a real gesture, something that was actually doing something for the black community. He did, uh, well, Biden did actually end contracts with private prisons. Didn't he? I know he said he was going to. That might help a little bit. At least that's not going to be a money incentive to put people in the prisons. Right, but then uh, then, then in his second breath, he, he also made it far far easier to expedite deportations as well. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so kids aren't, there's going to be less kids in cages now, but, you know, we're not going to actually. Get rid of them faster. There's there's going to be actually no due process. So we're just going to ship them out. <laughs> right. On, on a judge's decision. Good old, good old sleepy Biden. Which, I mean, I'd have to get a constitutional expert to, to, to really explain this to me, but it seems like that's a vi- violation of equal protection under the law because the 14th Amendment doesn't say equal protection under the law for citizens of the United States. It just says equal protection under the law. That's all it says. Yeah. If you're in America, you're under our law. Yeah. You're in the law of the land here as soon as you step foot. No so. attorneys, no jury. You're just gone. Okay. Bye. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Good for thee, not for me. <laughs> you got one more for us, Corey? Yeah. So then I have, uh, which is another good one, actually, because we talked about this one, the echo chamber. 
This guy goes, step out of your echo chamber and engage with people who have different views in a non-confrontational way. Yes, some people do get mean and irrational. Disengage with those people. I've had some really good conversations with people I don't agree with and got tons of insight with on why some people think differently. Name-calling or giving no voice to people with different opinions only widens the gap. Try to really listen to things you don't necessarily want to hear and you might learn something. And he's... That's a, such a valid point. Like, how are you supposed to learn something if you're just going to cover yourself in a little bubble of, like, that of boys and little pats on the heads of things that you like to hear? And it's like, it's doesn't that get boring? You're just hearing the same regurgitated thing over and over again because it makes you comfortable? Where's the growth? Well, I think I think the comfortability is part of the issue here, Corey. I think, I think people, I mean, we, we all know particularly Americans are comfortable with comfort, right? We don't yeah. like, we don't like change. We don't As like evidenced by Trump's camp at uh, Trump's uh, administration. No one wanted to listen to politics. He made everyone uncomfortable, which I, you could argue in some ways was a good thing. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, like, I am. I'm okay with look, it. He made everyone that. pay attention. Can't say that. Can't say that anything about Trump's presidency was good. Sorry. I'd like to try to find the silver linings, even in a pile of dog shit, but yeah. that, that's what it is. Cause it's, because it's concerning when I hear people say, oh, thank God, I don't have to pay attention to politics anymore. It's like, no, no, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop doing that just because now you're comfortable. And that's the thing. It, it, it is a comfortability issue. That's where the echo chambers come from. It's, you know, uh, I, I'm comfortable here in my little, you know, liberal corner or my, you know, my conservative rural corner of the country and it, where everybody agrees with me and or, or, or I'll at least just pretend to agree with them because I don't want to I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to hurt any feelings or get my feelings hurt or get punched in the mouth unless unless I run into somebody that's outside of my echo chamber and I will lambaste them and let them know what a piece of shit they are, what a what a horrible uh, uh, commie uh, socialist they are, or a, what a horrible uh, racist xenophobe they are, and I'll have my entire little echo chamber here behind me to agree with me and back me up, and... In reality, one of the things we've talked about, I think we talked about this a little bit when we had Dylan Zelterman on, was if, if, if a couple of those people would just like get together and have a bonfire, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. This would probably be cool. They, it, it, and what's funny is they would disagree, but what would they do? They would do what human beings often do. They would turn it into things like humor. You know, maybe take a jab and poke at each other, make fun of each other a little bit like we often do as boys. But it wouldn't be anything crazy unless there was probably too much alcohol involved. Then you can get into some fights. But you know what I'm saying, right? Because I that's do that, the American way. I do that with my conservative friends all the time. My, you know, my girlfriend's family is relatively conservative, and and you know, we'll go. Out, I'll go out and play golf with them, and you know, they'll you know jab at me. Oh, oh you, know, you voted for Biden, and I'll jab back at them. Oh, you know, Trump's piece of shit. Blah blah blah. But we sit there and we play golf, and at the end of the day. We're, we're friends. We disagree, but we're friends, and we and we always end up agreeing on something, yeah. whatever it is. Like something's got to change, and what's the best way to fix it? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. And uh, it's it's amazing how like how these conversations go in person versus on social media. So I think that almost alludes to like where we're kind of getting, where we think this is uh, not so much a farce. Like, people are getting pissed, their emotions are there, but it's, like, almost just overblown, where it's, like, just step away, <laughs> you know? Arguing, like, you don't, it's, uh, 
Like, you have to step away. Like, you don't need the last word. Like, you're in some toxic relationship with a random person on the internet where it's like, you know, like, you see those, like, toxic relationships where the person just has to have the last word and they're yelling down the hallway. Yeah? Well, you didn't do the dishes last week, you bitch! <laughs> and it's just like, you're sitting on the couch like, fuck. Like, I think I'm going to go home, guys. It was fun hanging out. That was, uh... That last one was actually from a guy named Privacy is Hard. What does that yeah. mean? I don't know. Privacy is kind of hard in these days. Did you hear about fucking Biden? Kind of going on a tangent here. Oh, did, did you hear about that fucking Biden? No, did Corey, you about tell this me son, more. This son of a bitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jen Psaki in a recent uh, press conference, she said the thing about uh, uh, if you're banned on one social media platform, you should be banned on all social media platforms. And that uh, they need to block misinformation that people posting stuff and it's like well hold on like who decides what that is and then there was this weird little trip up that they had i heard this on useful idiots with matt taibbi and uh oh i forget the girl's name what's the girl from uh useful idiots jennifer something uh so they so they were talking about how jen saki someone asked them because sms messaging was brought up like text messaging right mm-hmm and so someone was writing an article about it. I forget what it was exactly, but Jen Psaki said, no, we're not going to do text messaging because like, we don't have access to it or something like that. And then the that phone was way company, off. Her name is Katie Helper. Katie Helper. Yeah. And uh, like, there was like, a little bit of a, a flip up there because when they were talking about that, someone asked the, or I'm sorry, someone asked the phone companies about like the government interacting with people's text messages. And the phone company said, no, we're not allowing uh, the government to affect your text messages and stuff like that. And then the, the administration at the same time was saying, like, yeah, we can't do that. But the way that the two answers sound, it sounded like the fucking government actually asked if they could. The way the two little uh, statements came out, it's like, you know way too much about this Verizon to have this type of statement. Like, you heard about this before you were asked about it. And thank God that these phone companies are like, no, kick rocks, Biden. But, uh, yeah, it sounded like they were literally trying, like, straight up 1984 the shit out of our phones. And it's like, and it's, that's as soon as the parlor shit happened. Like, you know, like, January 6th, I'm vehemently against racists. I'm vehemently against uh, hate speech and stuff like that. But if you start to block speech, where does it end? And because right now, text messages are actually just being discussed and the fact that that's even being discussed is the scariest goddamn thing that all of a sudden they're just gonna just what just switch phone lines on and off they already already listen and read everything with the nsa now they're just not even gonna allow it eventually eventually it it does get to you right I, i i liken it to uh uh breed specific legislation for dogs is, is that's that's kind of the comparison that I've made because there's a lot of municipalities, you know, uh, usually cities, sometimes counties around the country, definitely around the state of Michigan, that have no problem with a pit bull ban. And I own a pit bull. I love my pit bull. She's the sweetest dog in the world. I think it's the best breed of dog there is out there, and there's way too many of them. Uh, but, okay, so you ban pit bulls because you decide that that's a dangerous dog, right? It's not a dangerous dog, but you decide that it's a dangerous dog. 
And people go, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm afraid of pit bulls. I hear stories about them attacking people all the time on uh, yep. on, on the news because, you know, they don't cover any other dog attacks unless it's a pit bull. Right. So now what what's happens? next? Boxers? Because boxers what's, look like pit bulls? What's next? Dobermans? Rottweilers? And now how long, how far down the list until we get to where we're only allowed to own dogs that are under 30 pounds? How long before they come for your breed? It's the same deal with censorship. It's exactly yep. the same thing. I have no problem. I, I, I do not like when somebody when I do not like when somebody uses something like the N word. Right? right. But I fully support that person's right to use that word. Yeah. I can sit I can... there and give him shit all day for using that word. All of social media can bear down on this human being for using the N word on Facebook. But yeah, I still support his right or her yep. right to use that word. I support his right to drop the M bomb. Just as much as support the right for me and you to go, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. It, it reminds me of, uh, you know who Martin, you ever hear that quote by Martin Niemöller? Or Niemöller? I don't know, it's a German name. But he was like a pastor from uh, Germany during World War II, and he spoke out against Hitler, and he had to go to jail. and a, or he, was, he spent like years in a concentration camp. But he, he survived. But he regretted not like doing more, you know? And uh, so he, there's this quote by him where he says, um, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, yeah, because like, where does it end? Like right now, if we're we consider ourselves on the right side of history of where people are, like when people are saying these things, like "oh, I don't like vaccinations," and then all of a sudden they just get silenced, and like every one of us on the rest of the world who believes in like the science is like, "Well, yeah, you know, obviously that's a dumb statement." But it's like, what about when that flips, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something that uh, we agree with. And the powers that be don't think that's right. And then all of a sudden we get silenced. We have access to so much information now. Like you used to have to be afraid of, you know, some sort of fascist regime taking over, right? Like we, we talked a little bit about Nazi Germany and, and how that happened. Blame the other. Find an other to blame. And when you blame that other, everybody else will come along. But then it turns into another other. Another, another other. Another other. Another, and another other. other. And then to the, to the point where... They come for you. Now, how do we in, I'm sorry, in, in 2021, I, I just, I'm sorry, I don't feel like that's as much of a fear because we have so much access to so much information that the court of public opinion is going to win out. We don't have to, to silence anybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we need to see what, the shitty opinion is to, fight to solidify it. our own opinion being not shitty. I'll, get, I'll give you a sports. I'll give you a sports <laughs> analogy here, Corey. <coughs> so NFL teams each week to prepare for the team that they're playing against, they watch game tape, right? They always watch game tape of the opponent that they will be facing the upcoming Sunday. Sometimes they might see shitty game tape, and they have to decipher what's good and bad, right? Well, not just that, but if 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 that game tape is bad speech, let's say, 
and it's just taken away. They're not allowed to watch that game tape anymore, and they go in to play that football game. Are they going to have as good of a game? No. Probably not. Probably not. And that is, the, it's it's the same concept in life with with speech and with ideas. You have to know what the ideas are to be able to process them and combat, combat them. them. Yep. It's not that difficult of a concept. It's really not. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I need to know what a shitty opinion is so I have something to compare my opinion to. Yeah, how do you know your opinion's any good if everybody has the same, like, this isn't, what is this? What's that movie with Jim Carrey? Uh, the uh, Truman Show. I mean, is that, is that what we're doing? Is that what we're trying to have? Some sort of Truman Show utopia? Right. That sounds boring as hell. It does. <laughs> uh yeah, some uh, like so that's yeah, it's funny you say that because like I always refer to nineteen eighty four as like a dystopian future or whatever. But have you ever read a Brave New World? I have not. Uh I forget who it's by. Oh man, the name's right on the tip of my tongue. But so Brave New World is basically like the opposite of nineteen eighty four. And it's about um, Aldous Huxley. Yeah, Aldous Huxley. I, ju- I just found it. Yep. Yep. So, Brave New World is like kind of like the opposite of uh, 1984, where instead of like keeping everyone oppressed and suppressed and like keeping information from them, they drug everyone basically, and they keep everyone at this like 11 out of 10 happiness peak, and like so everyone's just happy because there's no dissenting information. There's nothing. Everyone is just. In this happy-go-lucky world, because they don't even know what uh, anything is, and then they end up they there was Native Americans. They find this Native like it's. I'm not gonna go through the whole book or whatever, but the Native American is like, no, sadness is good. Like I like feeling sad. My mom died, you know, and like quit trying to give me these drugs that make me not feel that. Yeah, you have to feel the sadness to appreciate the happiness. Yeah, you gotta know what sadness is to know what happiness is. You know, it's uh, it's basically a roller coaster. You need. Like, what is it? Uh, Shakespeare says, it's better to have loved than lost to have never loved at all. Yeah. It's about the uh, the dynamics of just actually feeling things. And it's like, you need to know. So bringing that back to what we were talking about, you need to know what hate is, you know, like, to know, like, oh, fuck, don't do that. You know, like, as shitty as Hitler was for our world, sometimes you n- need something drastic to happen for us to be able to go you don't want this to happen because look at this and you need to know what oppression is to know what you're actually fighting against right because right to, to, to know how to fight against oppression because we have so many people in this country that feel like they're on the verge of oppression and honestly it's happening on both the left and the right right the right thinks that you know you know obviously we, we're, we're trying to censor speech which is a real thing, right? But doesn't make you oppressed. You know, the right. left the left for the longest time was like, uh, you know, Trump and his people are going to turn turn this into a fascist state. Like you you don't know what a fascist state You're is. You're literally trying to combat fascism with fascism. I Knock mean, like it look, at, uh, look at look uh, at Yanmi Yanmi Park. I think that's how you say her name. Yanmi Park was just on Joe Rogan. Yeah, I need to listen to that one. Uh, but she talks about uh, how they didn't even know what freedom was just because, like, there was nothing to relate it to. Her whole point a lot of times is you if you know you're oppressed, you're not really oppressed. Yeah. And if – and somebody who came from the North Korean regime, I believe that. You know, like, 
she because you don't she, know anything else. Yeah, she and her people were were led to believe that you know South they Korea is this utopia. Yeah, it's where everybody's trying to come to North Korea, but we don't let them in because it's we it's have our the place. best here. It's yeah, so when you don't give people ideas, your brain is stifled. You know, it's like it's like uh, atrophy. You know, like when I when I broke when I when I uh, fucked my shoulder up snowboarding and fell and didn't use my shoulder for two months while I was healing with the metal in there and stuff. Uh, when I went to go move it again, I had I had, had damn near frozen shoulder. Like that happens with older people not so much. So I didn't have that exactly, but literally moving my shoulder around felt kinked. So I'm using that as an example that like if you're not flexing the your brain. To try to like decipher things of what's good and bad, it's just that's just a neuron that just doesn't have a channel to anything. It's not firing. To put it into your into your cast analogy, if you're just letting your echo chamber cradle your thoughts and not letting them move around anywhere, you end up with atrophy. Yep, atrophy of the mind is what I would call it. There we go, atrophy of the mind. That might be another T-shirt we got, Dan. Combating atrophy of the mind. I like What's, it. Atrophy. Of, we need. We do. We should start making T-shirts. So what do we have so far? Atrophy of the mind. I don't remember and, what the other one was. No. Oh, I remember. You're not. Don't. Don't. Uh, oh, what was it? Don't. Don't take my means of. Produ- <laughs> what was it? Don't take my means of production. <laughs> yeah, not, not gonna. Not gonna seize my means of production. <laughs> you, better, you better write those down because I have a really bad short-term memory. Okay, I will. I will absolutely write those down. So we got another one here. (coughs) Let's do it. One more. One more from the Redditors. Um, So this person says, Some people simply get their jollies on causing chaos and upset. And the internet and social media allow them to do that with little or no consequence through a shroud of anonymity. Anonymity. Your favorite word. (laughs) That goddamn word. I don't think it's every person that uses social media, but it doesn't take much prodding to turn a mild disagreement into a full-blown crusade, especially when it's possible to draw in more people from friends' lists that are likely to back you up on your side because you have similar feelings and beliefs. And that was us actually talking about the echo chamber a little bit ago. You know, you get in this little feel-good camp where everyone is just, like, bumping elbows and going, yeah, look at those idiots over there. And and who who is that from? Who is the Redditor that uh, gave you that one? Uh... Ramu, Romaro Dark Eyes. All right. Uh, I, I will disagree with part of that. Because when I think of like people getting getting their jollies off, as uh, that person so eloquently put it, I, I, I think of trolls, like where they know exactly what they're doing. I think, but I think a lot of what he described or she described is people that are actually stuck in echo chambers and actually believe this stuff, right? It's not about getting their jollies off. It's about making sure that it's known that they are an ally, that they are on the quote-unquote right side of history. Now, that right. doesn't necess- that doesn't just pertain to, to the woke movement, dude. We see it with the Trumpies all the time, too. It's, it's, it's polarized, and it works both ways. But... I think that's the scariest part is the identity side of it. It's it's it, it, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Dr. Dylan Selterman in the uh, uh, first interview episode that we did, uh, and and he had said that the identity portion of what we're going through right now is going to be the hardest thing for us to correct because 
psychologically, when you realize that part of your identity is flawed, it's so much easier to deny that fact than it is to accept it and try and fix it. That's called cognitive dissonance. Yes, absolutely. That's I always that, picture, that was kind of the term I was looking for. I always picture uh, that scene at Inception. And I hadn't even seen the full movie, but I'd seen this scene when like the whole world is just folding in on itself. <laughs> <laughs> when, when people sometimes when people face a, an opinion that like debunks theirs, I just picture just as <laughs> their brain just like literally melting. <laughs> but the, like, but the no, problem no, is no. <laughs> but the problem is, Corey, the word debunk is almost a forgotten term now. It almost has no meaning because you can say you can, all you got to do is just say something is debunked. All you have to all CNN has to do is just say something is debunked. We talked a lot about uh, 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 lab leak theory on last week's episode in uh, in our in our first annual our first annual. I don't I hope we're going to do it more than once a year. Our first uh, bourbon banter. Go back and listen to that if you want to hear Corey and I just. Being crazy, drinking bourbon, and drunkenly explaining our views—ridiculous shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how to how to how to how to uh, elaborate or kind of go off of that. It's. It's just, it's just, it's mind blowing, I guess, <laughs> for lack of better term. <laughs> that it, it gets so crazy that there's so much cognitive dissonance. That- yeah, the way that people bend over backwards, they do so much more work to defend an opinion that's wrong, and then to just like, it's just so much easier to go, oh wow, yeah, I never thought of it like that. You would rather, <laughs> you would rather. So many people would rather die on a hill of being wrong than change the way that they think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I think of that uh, that meme that shows like the the couple, like the guy and the girl walking one way, and the other girl walking. Where you see the, and then you see the guy looking backwards at the girl's like ass. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then his girl is like has this look of disgust, and if he's like, "What are you doing?" And like I saw one that's like the girl walking past is. A simple ex, ex like a simple explanation that's wrong. <laughs> and he's looking at that, and the girl right next to him is like a more complicated right answer <laughs> to a complicated situation. <laughs> and she just looking at him like, "What the fuck, dude?" <sighs> so, what do you want to? Uh, what What did you take away? From this season, Corey, maybe something that uh, you learned, something maybe you changed your mind about, either talking to Dylan or or Eric, or something that you just kind of came to throughout uh, going over this topic of America's perceived social and digital civil war. So Dylan kind of gave us the tools that, like, if it was implemented on a like a macro media scale, could help circumvent a lot of the issues that we face. When it comes to just our, just mental health, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, seeing therapy, being able to separate emotion, t- emotional attachment to our opinions, it would be like such a giant leap forward in this new tool that we're using called social media. Um, and then reframing arguments. 
And then Eric, I liked with Eric on here. We kind that kind of solidified almost. It almost yeah, basically almost solidified the exact thing that that Dylan was talking about because it was a good example of uh, of me and him and how we interacted and uh, trying to kind of use those tools before we really knew what those tools were. Um, so what I took from it is, is like, I guess almost pick and choose your battles. Like if someone is obviously being disingenuous in an argument, don't let it bother you. Don't let, don't feed the trolls. You know, that's an actual saying on like 4chan and social media. Don't feed the trolls Mm -hmm. just because it's politics and not just bullshit over whether or not Nickelback sucks. (laughs) Don't feed the trolls. If someone's being disingenuous, it's still kind of easy to tell with how they're speaking to you in the text. Uh, don't waste your time on things like that. If someone's being disingenuous, then they're going to be disingenuous whether you bring them facts, anecdotal evidence, anthropological evidence, biological evidence, quantum physics. You could you could have a graph. You could do whatever you want. They're just not not going to bite. Good faith so, arguments. Good yeah. faith arguments are what you need. Yeah, try to stick to good faith arguments because those people that are the trolls, whether how much they're pissing you off, if they're doing that, you know that they have no impact on actual policy no impact on actual social justice issues. They have no impact on what the fuck is happening in the real world. They're just there to fucking make you get off your rocker. So just tell them to kick rocks and just don't even fucking deal with it. Um, I think that's a very important lesson that I think we learned throughout the season. Um, I think that the social media war is only a little bit overblown because we allow it to be based on what I just said. Uh, that like... We're engaging with people in bad faith arguments and disingenuous stuff. And honestly, it's probably because we enjoy that too a little bit. Like that one Reddit, that one Reddit, uh, I forget his name now. Let me go back and look real quick. The one Redditor that says that and it's human nature for us to enjoy uh, confrontation, you know, and to fight and to argue and to dominate. Like it's in our nature. Mm-hmm. So... If you're going to engage in that sort of thing, remember that it's not all of a sudden this like life or death situation that you're just doing what that other person is doing. Yeah, where it needs to be cut off is when it there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying a good debate, enjoying a good argument, but where it needs to be cut off and I, I implore every one of our listeners to, to, to try to exercise this. And, I, and I'm not trying to come at this as if I'm some sort of holier-than-thou person. I need to work on this, too, because I have these issues, too. Stop where it starts to become part of your identity. Yeah. Stop identifying yourself by your opinion. And I'll say it again, and I'm sure Corey would say the same about himself. We are not perfect. I catch nope. myself doing this stuff all the time. Just yesterday. It, Every time, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And every time I try to get better, or you know, recognize that I'm doing it either in the moment, or at least recognize that I'm doing it, you know, after. I, 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 actually, I did it just yesterday too. A a buddy from high school of mine, we got in an argument about Simone Biles, the gymnast, because I think he's an asshole for saying this. He tried to call her a quitter for Uh. for for dropping out of the team competition. And my whole argument was, dude, first of all, you just called the greatest of all time, a gymnast that is the considered the greatest of all time, 
a quitter. If you're going to call the greatest of all time at anything, I don't care if it's gymnastics, golf, soap carving, or taking a shit. If you are going to call the greatest of all that time trophy. At, at anything, a quitter, dude, you had better never half-ass anything again in your entire life. And that was my point, and that was probably a little bit too emotional. Because right. he has his opinion. He's one of those guys that, you know, he was a high school football player and it's just, yeah, everything for the team. And yep. I disagree with that. I think it's a bad way to look at it. But I kind of realized after the conversation, I was like, you didn't really listen to what he had to say. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got two things to say in response to that. Uh, it's, it's, um, it goes back to our conversation with Dylan Sal- uh, Salterman about just like therapy and mental health. And the fact that we still have this stigma here that if you don't have a strong brain, you're not a good person. You're not a strong person. And she was struggling. She had some issues. So, like, her, she realized that and went to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. And people were so up in arms at the fact that she didn't just shut up and do a flip. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's like the whole the NBA thing. Shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. Stay yeah. out of politics. Shut and it's up like, and who the fuck are you to tell this girl who's literally the best in the world, the best That's in what, the fucking world? Not only that, not only that, but a twenty-four-year-old girl. Now, twenty-four for Olympic gymnastics is actually old. kind of ancient. Yeah, <laughs> but still. A 24 years old. Think about who you were at 24, Corey. I mean, for me, that wasn't drunk. that long ago. That was about eight years ago. Yeah, drunk and fucking stupid. <laughs> yep. I was still, I was still an idiot. At I wasn't, no, I wasn't no gold star gymnast in Tokyo yeah, doing like, flips. <laughs> like she's doing all right compared to me. Probably puking in a toilet. <laughs> I was working a dead end job, struggling to pay off my first credit card. Like, I mean, <laughs> she's, she's doing okay. Right. <laughs> for, and then the other thing I was going to say with that was uh, the fact that we're talking about um, like getting our emotions and stuff like that. Like, yeah, just the other day I was. So there's three things that I definitely get a little bit into my emotions on. Like like we said, we're not coming off of some pedestal like, oh, we're just like fucking Spock, you know, <laughs> completely uh, uh, objective on everything. That's there's, not logical. Yeah, that's not logical. There's three things. It's uh, politics. um you know, beer and bourbon and stuff like that. Cause like I know the inner workings of the industry. So I really appreciate how things like that are made and country music. And I have, and I'm, these, I'm in these different country music pages and I was just same thing, just fucking arguing with people, calling them like the, what the fuck's the matter with you? Because for some reason, all these old heads are f- realizing that all of the biggest outlaw country stars were like liberals. <laughs> and they're losing their mind like this person's like oh Willie Nelson with a picture of Beto O'Rourke I'm never listening to him again and it's like where the fuck have you been for the past 60 years I was like so you're gonna stop listening to Chris Kristofferson who made a movie it's actually kind of a, like it's, a, it's like a 70s 80s movie but it's like a really popular movie back then called Convoy it's about truckers <laughs> <laughs> but it literally starts off as Chris Christopherson and the reason why they're even starting their convoy and getting pissed is because a cop beats the shit out of one of his black buddies who's also a truck driver mm-hmm. uh, Merle Haggard uh, everyone thinks that he was this uh, super conservative and he actually wrote a song called Irma Jackson like in the 50s 
And it's about loving a black woman and he can never profess her love for her. He has a song called Okie from Muskogee that conservatives like just fucking love. He played it. He sung it at, uh, for I think Reagan. Reagan had him, either Reagan or Nixon. Reagan or Nixon had him play it at one of their like campaign, uh, parties or whatever. And the song says, I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. Reven, uh, Reven us squares can have a ball. We don't, and it talks about not touching marijuana or, uh, and like not drinking or anything like that and they still fly their fly their flag at the courthouse well it was a satire song <laughs> okie's oklahoma people like california okie was a uh, racial like kind of like a racial slur mm-hmm. because during the great depression all the people from the dust bowl, room, yeah. yeah all the people from oklahoma when it was the dust bowl they all flew out to, or like hopped in their cars and drove out to california looking for work so all the californians were like oh these fucking okies Beverly so Hillbillies, from, baby. Yeah, Beverly Hillbillies. Exactly. So someone from Oklahoma is not going to call themselves an Okie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a fucking satire song. And everyone just thinks that he's just this super conservative guy. And it's like, no, he's not. Johnny Cash definitely wasn't. Um, and there's Willie Nelson. There's Johnny Cash, Chris Gustafson, Merle Haggard. All of these staples. Even David Allen Coe, who wrote racist songs. Like, he wrote these songs like that were like pretty racist. As he got older, he sold the rights to that music. He denounced it. Every single time he's asked about it, he goes, that's not who I am anymore. And it's like, all these people are like, oh, fuck well, Willie Nelson. Well, Corey, during the woke movement, that wouldn't matter. They can go back to 1930 and still and they still call him racist. You, you know, you yeah. can't grow as a person. Once a racist, always a racist. You know that, Corey. Yeah, I'm surprised FDR <laughs> hasn't gotten canceled <laughs> Well, because of his cancel- concentration camps. There's certain folks trying to cancel Lincoln. I think that's a little bit blown out of proportion. I don't really, you don't, you don't really hear that out in the real world, do you? What with FDR or Lincoln? No, Lincoln. No, I don't think so. I think that's just like a joke. That's gotta I be hope, a joke. I hope so. God, I hope so. <laughs> People attacking the founding fathers is a little bit of merit to it if you don't know the context of them. That most of them, literally more than half of them, like all the states except for like what was it, Virginia? Which which states? Which colonies, there was 13 colonies. I'm trying to think of which ones were actually slave colonies. There was Virginia. Florida wasn't a state or a colony yet. Georgia. Was that even a colony yet? Yes, it was. Was that one of the colonies? Yeah, there was like two or three of them, but they had money. So like the northerners were like, well, we don't like this, but we need their money to make us a nation. Right. And so they kind of kicked the can down the road. But in the the very constitution they wrote is what actually ended it. Should we have ended it then? Absolutely. Was it morally wrong? Absolutely. And then when you go and you read about most of our founding fathers' writings, they explicitly say that. <laughs> but they just get this blanket term that, ah, they were all slave-owning pieces of shit by the left. And the right goes, they were all Christians. And like they're both wrong. <laughs> they weren't I'm- fucking Christians either. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Corey, because that is uh, that's that's one of the things that I actually took from this season. I always kind of knew it in the back of my head, but I especially got it when we talked to Dylan, which is just like, can we can we have a little bit more context? Can we talk about can we talk about the importance of intent versus how somebody feels from time to time? Because, you know, both both sides have this softness about them where they're 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 hurt by what is said, 
instead before they even bother to consider the intent behind what is said. So, you know, the woke people will try and get you canceled and uh and, and the people on the right will just start screaming at you and get angry and call you a communist. <laughs> but everybody's everybody get everybody gets their feelings hurt based on what is said as opposed to what is the intent behind what is said. What's being implied, yeah. I, I'll give you an example. The example I like to give is what happened to J.K. Rowling. What happened to J.K. Rowling was her her point was that there are certain aspects of trans rights that are harming women's rights. Whether you agree with that or not, whether you want to like take put merit in that or not, obviously she was not trying to say anything bad about the trans yeah, community. Yeah, she didn't say fuck the trans community. No, she was worried about women's women rights and being a, a fe- the feminist that she is and you know, Harry Potter movies are still all over sci-fi, so obviously she wasn't completely canceled. But that—that's—that's that's a great example of just consider the intent behind what that woman was trying to say, not what she said. Yeah. But what was the intent? Exactly. And that's one of—that's one of the things I took from Dylan, and one of the things that I took from um, our conversation with Eric was, y- if you're going to stand behind your principles. And apply them to the way you think politically. Don't be such a fucking hypocrite. Understand that your principles can be violated by the team that you associate with right now. And Eric's example of that was how he felt about Trump. Right? Yeah. Eric was Eric was a guy that was all aboard for Trump in 2016 to the point where he basically... Uh, he he was one of the key contributors to Trump winning Macomb County here in Michigan. Yeah, he did a damn good job, didn't he? <laughs> he did a damn good job. And what did he do? He abandoned Donald Trump because Donald Trump harmed a couple of his top principles. And then Trump lost. Are we gonna play? Should we blame Eric? I'm gonna oh I'm gonna message him and be like, "Hey, on the oh show, my we, God. we blamed you. <laughs> you were the missing piece. <laughs> you were the missing piece for Trump in 2020." <laughs> you're, the reason, you're the reason Trump didn't win Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did win Macomb County, though, didn't he? He I thought he did. did. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Macomb County is pretty red. Well, those are a couple things that I pulled away, and, and I think overall. I, I still think our I think I think our thesis stands. I, I I won't say it's proven, but I I I will. My opinion is is that it is because between the conversation that that I had with my buddies at camp from a couple of different political backgrounds, and then just the the the, the disingenuousness that you see and the the smartest person in every room conversations that you have with people online that you can't take very seriously. Those conversations would definitely be different in person. So it's not that uh, the social and digital civil war isn't real. I think it's something that we should keep an eye on. Yeah. But I definitely don't think it's beyond repair at the same time. Yeah. So I basically have I have like six takeaways basically from uh, our season or whatever. And uh, so basically social media, it's a new tool that we have to learn to use. Humans have learned to communicate with each other over millions and millions of years by, by reading each other's facial expressions. Just hundreds of thousands, Corey. Come, we haven't been around that long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know how long it is. I'm not. I'm actually probably going to take a biology class when I get back to school to learn this shit, Dan. So then I will no, actually. You're, 
You mean you mean you're not one of those biblical people that thinks that it's a thousand years, six thousand years old? Oh boy, creationists. You're not a creationist. My favorite thing is is uh, creationists. They go the world's six thousand years old, but a thousand years is a day in the eye of God. So it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> so like, then how do we know we've only been around for six thousand years? Uh, so it's yeah, it's a new a new tool we have to learn to use. Just like when. Uh, the combustible engine came out. All of a sudden, everyone had to figure out how to use it. You know, that's why older houses have detached garages because they were so afraid. Well, actually, not afraid, but it actually happened. When cars were first made, sometimes they would just catch on fire. <laughs> so that's why when you can always tell a house like is like made in the '40s versus like the '60s, whether or not the the garage is attached or not. So it's a new tool that we have to learn to use. That we have to learn to navigate through, and it's kind of just like kind of like growing pains, to where let's all just kind of take a breather and uh, really figure out how to use this thing before we get too wrapped up in it, and then try to just get rid of it because we're afraid of it with censorship and stuff. Uh, it's like Ralph Nader with his seatbelts. For some reason, there was a weird stand against seatbelts back in the what was <laughs> that, the 60s. Uh, it's all growing pains. That's my other point. It's uh, like I was alluding to that. It's, um, it's growing pains, you know, but I think that the way that we're all connected through social media, it's ultimately for the greater good. Um, and then we're all learning together that we're all kind of on this road together. And that, like, hopefully it's like a uh, rising ship and rising water. That, like, as we slowly navigate it, we're starting to realize, oh, you know, doing that really is an asshole. Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore kind of thing with people. Um, one advice I have, I think, especially I've been thinking about a lot, and it's something I've been doing. I do it periodically, is uh, detoxify your algorithms on your social media. So when you find yourself getting bogged down and outraged by a bunch of stuff, go in like like a different group or go like engage in different like groups and posts on your page. Like right now, my page, and it's really easy to go back and forth. All you have to do is just engage on a couple of them, search them out, like things and talk about things. Like right now, my uh, my Facebook feed is all like Michigan camping, boondocking and camping, kayaking. And uh, what else do I got going on in there? Mine's cigars and golf. Yeah, you see what I mean? But like, go go, go comment on Ben Shapiro's page once and go comment on like a couple other pages like that. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be all politics again. If you're, just, if you're feeling like that mental drain of just constantly having to argue with people, just switch it up and you just won't see it. And it's okay to step away. Yeah, take a break. Yeah, you're not... You're not a face for this whole movement on your own. Don't hold all of that on your shoulders. You're not con- you're not you're not Candace Owens, you're not Ben Shapiro, you're not Kyle Kalinsky, you're not Sagar Marshall. You know, you're not any of these people. You don't need to brunt that weight of being this face of thinking you're gonna change all, like change the world because of a couple of Facebook comments. If you're feeling the mental drainage Switch it up. Go join the group, a group where we act, where we pretend to be boomers. You know, just go in there, <laughs> fuck around, do that. I'm on a group called uh, Safari All the Cars, and it's actually kind of cool. You see these random ass cars that people turn into vehicles that could be straight up off road monsters. Like whatever you're into, 
Find pages and groups that you that are your hobbies and engage in them just a tiny bit. And Facebook literally changes your whole feed like mm-hmm. that within a day. Dude, it's instant. I swear to God. Um, don't be emotionally attached to your opinions. Or others. You know, when I say others, I mean like political figures. Nobody's invaluable. If you back yourself into a corner and become a sycophant for some sort of despot, all of a sudden you're you like you're literally you feel like you're being attacked whenever they're attacked and you're not being attacked when they're being attacked. When someone attacks Trump, they're not attacking you. Stop acting like that. When someone attacks Biden or someone attacks Hillary, they're not attacking you. They're attacking that person. There's no reason to be emotionally attached to that and like that person doesn't give two shits of whether or not you're jumping to defend them. You're not like you don't have to be a sycophant. You're not going to get some sort of gain in your personal life by defending and someone may- who doesn't know who the maybe, fuck you are. To add to that, Corey, maybe when that person that you attach yourself to is, uh, especially if it's especially if it's a political figure, when that person is attacked for a certain reason, read the whole thing. Yeah. Like maybe maybe figure out if that if that particular thing has a little bit of merit. There probably right? is some merit to it. Look at Cuomo right now. Oh yeah. Like Biden didn't back him in his corner. Biden was like, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> and then uh, the last one I have is just step away. You don't need the last word. Like I mentioned earlier, you're not like it's some toxic relationship where like you just gotta have the last word. Like you don't need it. Just step away. <laughs> yeah. Leave someone unanswered and let them stew on it. It makes it makes a lot more sense if you're arguing with your wife because you have to live with her. You don't don't have to live with this person that you're arguing with on Facebook. Like, ah, whatever. Let it go. Go play some golf. Go uh, drink a beer. Go have some cigars. Play bocce. Whatever it is you do. Go ride your motorcycle. I don't know. Whatever it is you're into. I'm done with some bocce ball. Yeah. Hey, my girlfriend is Italian. I will tell you, there is no ball at the end of that word, at the end of the name of that game. It's just bocce. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to call you appropriate. Bachi, gabagool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think it's a good place to end it, Corey. Yeah, it's uh, been it's been a fun season. Uh, It's going to be a little while before Corey and I do season two. We do plan to do the topic is about corruption, and it's going to be it's 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 basically going to touch on how corruption. Uh, contrib- contributes to dividing us. Uh, yeah. I think it plays a big role. Dividing us, the lack of uh, trust in our government, the stagnancy that we see to where it's like, why the fuck is a road still crumbling? <laughs> like things like that. So yeah, it's uh, we're gonna try to attack it and like see how corruption is one of the root causes of the lack of trust in government, which trickles down into lack of trust of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just coming from all angles with it. So I think that one's going to be a real fun one. We're going to try to get some really cool people on here for that. We'll have that for you in the coming weeks. Uh, until then, Corey and I are just going to we're going to fill in some time each week with a little bourbon banter. Yeah, we're, we're not gonna, going anywhere. We'll be here. No, absolutely. We're gonna, we'll, we'll talk some current events and kind of what's going on. And um, obviously, feel free to keep keep sending us emails at libservativepod at gmail dot com. Uh, get with us on uh, on on Reddit. Corey's actually going to create a page for us here. Coming up, social media, Twitter, uh, at Libservative Pod, obviously our uh, our Facebook page, Libservative, and uh, it's uh, Libservative Pod on Instagram as well, right, Corey? Yeah, Libservative Pod on Instagram, Libservative Pod on Twitter. It's just Libservative on Facebook. Follow our pages. 
Uh, I'm not going to push you to share unless you want to. Tell a friend. You know, if you enjoy this, you probably know someone who would enjoy it as well. Um, come hang out, engage with us. You know, we're constantly trying to get people to talk to us. You know, it enri- it enriches the show. You know, we're not going to be like, especially after this season, we're obviously not going to be just in the comments with you, just dog shitting on everyone. Because <laughs> like that's what we're trying to get. Like that's what we're talking shit about. Um. Yeah, like, follow, share, make sure to listen. We're on all of your podcast platforms. And uh, come hang out with us. That's right. And until next time, this has been Libservative. I've been Dan Griffin. And I've been Corey Walsh. And uh, we'll see you around the bend. Bye.